Welcome to Write Stuff Radio, where we showcase Christian authors worldwide. Each week, join me for a new author and a great new book to add to your library. Welcome to The Right Stuff. I'm the Queen, Parker J. Thank you so much for joining me. Today, we're going to be talking to my guest co-host and contributor today, Jessie Roberts. She is the author of the book, Hand of Steel. Let me tell you, once you begin to sink your teeth into this story, you're not going to want to finish it until you are done. Hand of Steel is book one of the Steel Hand series. There's currently two in the series and a prequel called Death Horn. I can't wait to tell you more about it in just a few moments. As always, we want to thank our Patreon team for their support. We have been showcasing Christian authors worldwide for the past nine years. And as God gives us grace, we'll continue to do so. To find out how you can help out, simply go to patreon.com slash write stuff and see what you can do. And as always, we covet your prayers. To stay up to date with PJC Media, simply go to pjcmedia.net Click on that pink subscribe button and you'll never, ever have to miss a show. And so without further ado, I'm going to bring Jesse on board. Jesse, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. It's so good to have you with me. I need to let our listeners know some a big open secret that we have. I recently released a short story in an anthology called Christmas Wishes and Cowboy Kisses. And I have to tell you, that story would not have been written if Jesse did not help me. And I need to let our listeners know what that help meant. That literally meant whatever Jesse said about ranch life is what I put in the story. Because I'm a city girl. Jesse works on a cattle ranch in Montana. I have no clue what a life like that is like, but she was so willing to take time out of her schedule while she's trying to work the ranch and do the duties on the ranch to help me write my story. So I want to publicly say thank you, Jesse, for your help. And as a way of saying thank you, I actually used her name for one of the characters in that short story. If you haven't had a chance to pick up your copy of Christmas Wishes and Cowboy Kisses and you love cowboy Christmas romances, Go ahead and get that anthology today. My story called A Holly Jolly Cowboy is included with 22 other sweet, romantic, Western Christmas cowboy stories. You're definitely going to enjoy it. So go ahead, pick up your copy of that today. And then when you read my story, A Holly Jolly Christmas, you can say, hey, that's the young lady that helped Parker with her book. And we're talking about her book today, Hand of Steel. So, Jesse, I had to do that PSA because I want people to know that I appreciate you. Go ahead and just delve into who you are as for, at first. People already know that you work a ranch, but that's just a little bit that I know about you. So go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm Jesse Roberts. I've written three novellas or, that are published. And I'm also an artist who are, I've been working on a webcomic that's set in the same universe as the stories. And then I live on a ranch in eastern Montana and have, and we raise cattle here. And 
I've started branching out into raising goats, which has an interesting learning curve because they're a little different than cattle. So I like sci-fi and some fantasy and working on the ranch and stuff. So, See, saying those words, you're raising goats, that's just complete, almost a foreign language to me, Jesse, because I have a dog and I feel like that's enough. But you're around a lot of livestock all day. So tell us a little bit about what made you want to start raising goats. What was that that drew you to them? Well, I learned that they ate invasive weeds that cattle won't touch. And we had a pretty big problem with those weeds and we're spending a lot of time spraying them. So I decided to try getting goats and then I got them and fell in love with them. What's lovable about goats? You have to educate me. Well, see, cattle are nice, but goats act more like dogs than cattle. And they're also smaller and a lot easier to handle if you don't have help. Because it's a lot easier to wrestle a 150-pound goat around than it is to wrestle a cow around that's over a 1,000 pounds. Yeah, I think so. (laughs) Just the math adds up really good about that. So you live on a ranch. You have a lot of interest in speculative fiction, sci-fi, fantasy. And I would assume that that love is what led you to hand of steel and writing that. What was that moment that you said this story has to be written? I'm not sure. See, I'd been before I wrote Hand of Steel, I'd been writing post-apocalyptic type stories where the U.S. gets nuked and stuff. And that was those were hard to write, for one thing, because it took a lot of research because there's a lot of military stuff. And there was being in the real world, it was a lot, the plot felt more constrained because you had to kind of be real, more realistic. You couldn't just change the world to suit what you want to happen in the plot. You can. Yeah. But I found it harder. And then I decided to try writing sci-fi because I started liking aliens and stuff. So I started messing around in the universe. And the universe actually came before the main character came. That shows me what type of writer you are. You like to world build first and then add your pieces to that world building. Is that correct? Yeah, that would probably be correct. But yeah, so I started writing that. And actually, I think reading Cinder was what gave me the idea of making a cyborg the main character. Oh, yeah. the by Marissa Meyer, she wrote Cinder. And for those of you who don't know, Cinder is like this wildly, extremely popular book about Cinderella retelling with a cyborg Cinderella. So, yeah. And this one does have that element in there as well. And I didn't read Cinder. Like I said, I was, I'm just not really into a lot of YA. But this is a book I'm definitely into. Hand of Steel by Jesse Roberts. This is definitely a YA book I'm into. And with Hand of Steel, you're also going to get a rich, well-developed world. And you're going to get that political intrigue that is often associated with space operas. And then you're going to have the sci-fi aspect. So there's a lot going on in this story that I think kids ranging from about nine years old, I would say, Jesse, to teenagers would really enjoy the story. What do you think about that age bracket? I think it's okay. I try to keep it so there's, you know, no swearing and you know, no sex. So some violence, obviously, because as you tell, the part where the girl turns into a cyborg is written about in the story. So there's some violence. Well, yeah, but violence is something you can't escape in the real world either. Fairy tales were used to prepare children for that reality. I see that going on even now. But with Hand of Steel, I got to tell you, this cover is awesome. For those of you who want to get the book, make sure you pick up your copy of Hand of Steel, which is book one of The Steel Hand, available on Amazon.com or wherever books are sold. So we got Hand of Steel. And I want to give a shout out to your graphic artist. Did you do this or did someone else do it for you? 
No, someone else did it. She's an artist from Russia, did the cover, and I did the lettering. So she's an artist and not really a cover designer, so I just had her do the cover. Actually, the sequel to Hand of Steel was the first cover done. The Black Claw was the first one she did, and I'd originally done the Hand of Steel's cover, and it wasn't very good. And then I got her to do the second cover. I'm like, I got to go have that cover, the first cover redone after I saw the Black Claw's cover. And the Black Claw cover is even more spectacular with that red really juxtaposing against that Black Claw. It's really cool. And you're going to love it. And just having read through the hand of steel, the Black Claw is really going to intrigue you. There's a lot going on here. So I can't wait to tell you guys more about it. So we have Hand of Steel, we have the Black Hawk, we have this series, but we need to get into the dynamics of this book. Let's follow our main character, Chris. What is a day like in her world? Well, when it starts out, she's a bounty hunter with her dad. So what they do is that in my universe, they don't have a real police force. They have bounty hunters. So it's her and her dad are trying to keep criminals off the street and So they normally go after the lower end ones, like they normally go for more petty criminals that aren't worth as much and kind of try to avoid the real dangerous ones like space pirates. So her days would include trying to find bounties that are not going to get to them. So she's not trying to go after the high end criminals. We don't want the quote unquote Jeffrey Dahmers of the universe. We kind of want the Parker J. Coles who are not really good at stealing anything. <laughs> we want those type of bounties. And one thing I appreciate about this dynamic is that Chris has a really good relationship with her father. But in this universe, you differentiate between humans. And we're going to talk about it a little bit later on in the broadcast, but your world has very richly developed with different races. So in one day, how many different races is she bound to see? Well, there aren't that many races in the universe because, see, her, the home planet of the humans has one other species. There's humans and chicks, and then another planet just has scallons. So there's three races that are in, that are kind of the main races that are kind of in charge. And then the other two planets have four more. So you'll see humans, Elbas, Scallon, Chicks, and Torfs normally. Gorkum and Varsillon are a little bit less commonly seen. So those are the only races I actually in the universe, if a different species of alien no one had seen came running through, everyone would be watching it. Like, what is that? Where did it come from? I like this dynamic because the world is richly populated with people and beings that look different from themselves, but they get along together. Well, for the most part, they get along together. There is a hierarchy that is going on in this narrative. What is the hierarchy like? Well, the hierarchy, see, there's four planets. And two of the planets are the company planets, Chibink and Sadat. And so the chicks, the Scallon and the humans live on those planets. So they are technically the top. They have the higher in the hierarchy being from the company or the ordained as they call it. And then Lacostwa is lower down because that was a conquered planet that the company has kind of colonized. So Torfs and Gorkum would be lower down on the list. Whereas Elbas, they live on Tupra and that's, a planet that managed to keep the company off. So yeah, there's a, it's not a war anymore. It's more a cold war because there was a war 20 years ago. So yeah, there is a hierarchy there. It's interesting because you say cold war and I always have to go back with the United States favorite enemy, which is Russia. We have a cold war and now we're in a more heated war, but that's too serious for what we're talking about right now. But, but at the same time, 
it's interesting how you develop this world. So you have all these different races mixing together. You have a young girl who makes a living with her father collecting bounties. And so she's part of the law enforcement of the ordained. But then something happens. What happens that begins to change her world? Well, they are getting kind of hungry, so they grab a bounty and they don't realize that the bounty they grabbed is from a pirate crew. It turns out the person they grabbed is the pirate crew's cook. So they end up taking that one in thinking, not knowing this, and the pirates come after them and her dad doesn't survive the attack. And then she gets caught. And she gets caught. And I was telling Jesse before we started recording, I would hate to wake up a cyborg. And that's literally what happens to poor Chris. When her father, when the attack happened, I believe a bomb went off. Yeah, it was a grenade. A grenade went off. And so her father seeing it, he threw himself on top of her to protect her. He did. But then he ended up passing away from that horrible accident and she became a cyborg. So she, she wakes up, she's like, something is wrong. And she couldn't move her left side of her body. It just, things are just off. And then when she realizes what has happened to her, she is filled with all kinds of emotions and rage, but she has been trained well. And one thing that Chris does that I think a lot of people do when they're attacked by grief is subvert those feelings. So what's Chris thinking of when she wakes up in this body as a cyborg? Well, it's not just worse than waking up as a cyborg. She's caught by the the bunch who made her into the cyborg is the bunch that killed her father. And one of the things she's questioning is, you killed my dad. Why did you let me live? And what does that do for her as she thinks these things through? Well, she's not real very happy with these pirates. And yeah, so then there's, but see that, and then the cook is the one who actually was one of the ones that was her kind of acting as her friend because they'd captured that cook. That cook had realized that they weren't bad for bounty hunters. Yeah, they were good bounty hunters. They weren't these bounty hunters that were cruel or just trying to torture the bodies that they collected. It was a job. They did their job, came home and did what they had to do. And so now we have this dynamic where she is angry, upset, and at the same time, dependent on the people who killed her father. And I was telling Jesse before we started recording, too, that it was incredible that this YA fantasy has more than just, oh, I wonder if Bobby or Dylan likes me. (laughs) And Jesse made a really cool comment. Just go ahead and repeat what you said about Chris. Chris has a lot more to deal with than just high school drama. Yeah, she has to worry about survival. She's got to fight with pirates. She's got to get her bounty. She's got a lot of things she's got going on right now. Can I be honest with you, Jess? I had the idea that you got that from your work living on a cattle ranch, I think. Would it be safe to say that sometimes that mirrored that because you have to do more than just worry about the next cowboy coming down the range or whatever? I don't even know if that makes sense. But would you say that inspired it a little bit? It would be hard to say because, you know, it's hard to tell what in your life inspires things sometimes. And another thing, though, is that I've never really been into romance. So if I write, I have to have, give the character other problems than which one of the boys she wants to go with. Exactly. And unfortunately for you, I love romance. And so if you ever want to write a romance, Jesse, just call me. I'll be more than happy to help you. <laughs> but what I like, too, about this story is that Chris is really dealing with a lot of things. Now, the faith element in here, I must tell you, I particularly like the faith element in this story. Go ahead and give us just a little bit of background of how the faith element is interwoven with Chris's 
story and the overarching narrative? Well, one of the ways I world built was I decided, first of all, that instead of having a story where it was like Christians and non-Christians fighting, I decided to make both groups in this universe decide that they think that they are following God. So, and what I did was I based that off and I decided that the area that they have the conflict over is Romans 13. So one side thinks that they must obey their leaders no matter what. And the other side doesn't accept those people as their leaders. So that's where the basis of the conflict comes from. And the thing that it makes is that it causes the character to have to figure out what is morally right and wrong, because that I think that faith should impact your moral beliefs and your political beliefs. So that is where Chris ends up trying to figure out what her beliefs are when she ends up meeting people that aren't like the ones she grew up with. Another aspect, too, is slavery, because what Chris and her father were doing, they were doing their job as ordained by God. And talk about how slavery is a main conduit of industry in this particular world. See, in my universe, there actually aren't really prisons. So they think that if someone is a criminal, the way to deal with that problem is to make the criminal into a slave. And so that's how they do it. And to them, the idea of not having slaves would mean that the criminals are running loose and free. So to them, that's just how things work. And it's not really considered a racial thing, but it's more based off if someone commits crimes or goes against their government system, aka the ordained or company, depending on which side you are, they figure that someone going against that should be a slave for their crimes. In a sense, it makes sense. Therefore, you're not using resources to just house people in an institution. They're actually working off their debt. And what was interesting is that you build a hierarchy as well among the slaves because certain slave owners wanted certain things. So some slaves came with better treatment. Some slaves looked different. Some slaves were less treated because when she became a cyborg, she was upset because even the way she was made as a cyborg, we'll talk about that in a minute, she wouldn't fetch a far price. So talk about the slave system here, just so our listeners can know what to expect. Well, the slave system, there's three different classes of slaves. There's um, ones who get blue tattoos, and those actually, um, eventually they'll be allowed to go free after their time as a slave is up, you know, just like a criminal might get let loose after, you know, a few years of being in prison. And then there's the yellow tattoos, and those ones are, that's a life sentence, but there's still laws about how they can be treated, like you can't kill them or beat them or anything. And then a slave that gets a red tattoo, that one with a red tattoo, their owner can do anything they want to those slaves. So red tattoos are often murderers, pirates, that kind of thing. And what also goes on here is with this system, you have bounty hunters looking to line their pockets based off the type of people, they criminals they can pick up and turn them into slaves. So it makes for a really interesting story. I was telling Jesse, too, that this story doesn't read very long, but there's so much packed into it. That's why for our listeners out there, you're going to love Hand of Steel, which is book one of, of the Steel Hand series. And then the next book in the series is the Black Claw. And if you want to get the prequel, you want to get the prequel called Death Horn. 
And then she's also creating a webcomic based off this universe. So there's a lot going on. It can be really immersive. So go ahead and make sure you follow Jesse online and we'll give you those links later on in the broadcast. Now I want to go back to Chris being a cyborg. One of the burgeoning things that's happening in our 21st century world is this ever narrowing boundary between humanity and machine. We all know that machines can help us live longer. I can remember my grandmother had a pacemaker and the pacemaker helped regulate her heartbeat. Other people have prosthetics and other machine related elements added to their bodies. But being a cyborg is completely different. We're not just talking about living longer with just a piece of machinery that doesn't really affect you as a whole. She actually is part machine, part human. So there's a scene in the book where when she opens her eyes, one eye turns on and the other eye opens. And how do you work with that dichotomy of being turned on and alive at the same time? See, that's just one thing she has to kind of get used to with that is that and then the guy who ended up their doc, the ship's doctor is also a little bit of an eccentric, and he doesn't try to make the cybernetics even look like they res, like they match. You know, like instead of trying to make it look as human as possible, he thinks it's better to just go with what will work best. He's sort of like Dr. Frankenstein, psycho. That's the impression I got, like he's a Dr. Frankenstein with a heart. <laughs> and I'm sitting there like, Dude, I don't want to look like a spider. You know what I mean? Like, I understand this works best for you, but it doesn't really work for me. And he didn't match her skin tone. He didn't match her arms. And even her skin around her head where she has cybernetic pieces to her head didn't match either. I think it was gray. And you're sitting there like, that's horrible. That's absolutely horrible. Now, with all these different races and things of that nature, you may be wondering, well, can I keep track of these things? But you've added a really tidy element at the back of this book. Tell our listeners about it. Yeah, I did a little glossary in the back of the book that has um, a picture of each species from the side view of their head, well as a little bit about the species. So if someone's having trouble keeping track, they can just go to the back and they can read what the species are. Then that helps them know what they're dealing with and get a little bit of a better picture because it's really hard to describe the aliens because to Chris, they just look normal like people. So she's not going to describe them in the detail that a person would describe if they first met one of these species. So, you know, she won't describe a dwarf as having feathers because all dwarfs have feathers and she knows that she described the color of the feathers. Or how well groomed they are because if you have more money, you can take care of yourself, which goes across every species on the planet. So how will the webcomic help bring the reader further into this world that you've built? Well, the webcomic, I've always Draw, like drawing, so I thought it would be fun to try making a, another book that, in the series that I never got published into a webcomic. And it has, and that one, you get to see the, what stuff looks like a lot better. You'll Instead of having to imagine it, you can see it that way. And that can help you picture what everyone looks like, that sort of thing. And just it's a, and reading a webcomic is a little different from reading a book. So some people who wouldn't pick up a book will hopefully pick up, hopefully like the webcomic. In the few moments we have left, I want to talk about the other books in the series. Can the books be read in order, or rather, should the books be read in order, or can they be read as standalones? No. Now, you can technically read The Hand of Steel or The Death Horn as a standalone, but The Black Claw, you have to read Hand of Steel first. 
because it's a direct sequel to Hand of Steel and follows Chris's further adventures. So you can read, so if you want to start, you can start with the Black Claw or you can, no, I mean, you can start with Hand of Steel or you can start with the Death Horn, but the Black Claw needs to be read after Hand of Steel. But each book has its own plot arc, so you can read one and be satisfied when you finish it. You don't get left hanging. You know, Jesse, it's been wonderful having you on the show today. And the few moments we have left, go ahead and give our audience an opportunity to connect with you online. Well, if you'd like to connect with me, I have a Facebook page you can follow, and that one is pretty bare bones and just has updates about the books and stuff. And you can also follow me on my social media is under Jesse L. Roberts. But you can follow on Facebook or Instagram is another place where I hang out. I post art there sometimes and also rant stuff with goats. So Instagram and Facebook are probably the two best places to follow for updates. My Twitter, I tend to argue on politics there. So you might not want to go there. Nothing wrong with that, Jesse. You're always allowed your opinion. Go figure that one. I know it's a crazy thing now, but you're always allowed your opinion. In the few moments we have left, I want you to encourage authors out there. This show is always about encouraging aspiring authors to write. Go ahead and send them some encouragement today. Well, if you're working on a comic or whatever, one thing I can advise is to try to work a little on it every day. I know that style doesn't work for some people, but I think for me, like right now I'm working on the web comic, so I try to put in a certain number of minutes a day, depending on what else I'm doing, if I'm busy or not. I think it really helps to have a goal set so you can have something to shoot for. Because if you don't have a goal, then it's easy to get go off track. And I suggest making goals that are all in your power to reach, one you know you can reach, and one that is dependent on you and not on others. Like, if your goal is to sell 100 books... That depends on others. So you might not be able to do that. But if your goal is to finish the book, you should be able to accomplish that. I think that's sound advice, Jesse. Make goals that you can succeed at. That actually helps you too. And then you can start to stretch yourself further and further as you begin to succeed in the little bitty goals that you set for yourself. Jesse, I have definitely enjoyed our time together. Thank you for being on the show. And I can't wait to have you back and have you back real soon. Thanks for having me. And we were talking today to Jesse Roberts. She is the author of the book Hand of Steel, which is book one of the Steel Hand series. The other book in the series is called The Black Claw. If you want the prequel to the book, you can get The Death Horn, which is also available on Amazon.com or wherever books are sold. Now, she told you about the webcomic. So if you want to get immersed in that, make sure you follow her on those social media handles she put on there because you're going to definitely enjoy that as well. Oh, I also forgot. I also have a website. That's jessielroberts at wordpress.com. So make sure you follow her there as well. You just click that button on WordPress and you won't miss an update that she has to send to you. One thing that Jessie said that I love, she said, just make sure you do small goals that you know you can reach that are not dependent on anyone else. What are you doing today? Are you going to just keep talking about writing or are you going to pick up the pen and write one word today, three words today, 100, 5,000 this week? It doesn't matter. Just go ahead, pick up the pen and write stuff. Thank you so much for joining me for this edition of The Right Stuff. I'm the Queen Parker J, and you have a wonderful, absolutely glorious, blessed day. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. 
a laundry? Oh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.